Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Thank you, Chris. Um, well, my name's Larry. I'm a recovering sexaholic. Hi, Larry. Um, please excuse my voice. I have a bottle of water coming. It will get better. It's through the grace of my higher power, the power of my program, and the support of my sponsor and fellows in the rooms that I've been sexually sober since March 2006. Um, I'd like to start out with a prayer. God, I humbly ask you to bless this convention and all who are attending, to open our hearts and minds to the truth about ourselves, to open our eyes so that we can see the path of recovery which has been laid out for us to follow, and grant us the faith and courage to stay on that path. May we do your will always. I am addicted to lust, and more specifically, I'm addicted to pornography. I started looking at R-rated magazines probably before I was a teenager. Graduated to porn magazines as soon as I discovered them, moved on to videos as soon as I could afford them, and then I was really lost when the Internet came along. In fact, I stopped directly purchasing pornography as soon as I started using my computers. But I'm not here to tell you my story. I'm here to tell you how I've been winning victories against pornography in my life. Where did I start? Well, I'll give you three guesses, and the first two don't count. Step one. It was critical for me to understand where to start. The I started in a uh, an essay step study workshop that's in Wachung on Tuesday nights, which is wonderful. Uh, there is also a step study, an AA step study, which is open. That starts in February. And if you're starting the working the steps, you're in the middle of working the steps, I highly recommend it. because They are the answer for me to pornography. Um, because without a good spiritual structure, I'm, I'm out of control. Okay? The, um, excuse me. I've studied a lot of, uh, a lot of the steps basically from AA material. And they talk about in the in the first step that the keys are the spiritual malady or disease, the mental obsession, and the physical allergy. Um, the basic process for me of losing my sobriety starts when my character defects start manifesting themselves and disconnecting me from my higher power. Then my brain starts believing the lies about my addiction that it's so easy for it to tell me. And then any slippery slope behavior starts my body to react. And I'm lost from there. The spiritual malady or sickness, this is where it starts. When I'm feeling resentful, fearful, angry, lonely, bored, selfish, self-pitying, self-indulgent, or intolerant of others, I've disconnected myself from the true source of strength and power in my life. My brain is now defenseless against anything it can dream up. The mental obsession. Okay? Here are the lies that I have believed. I'm not hurting anybody. I'm just sitting in my office. I mean, the extent of my disease was pornography and masturbation. That's it. But if I'm 
actively in my disease. I'm hurting my wife by cheating on her, even though I never did so physically. By emotionally becoming disconnected from her and the rest of my family, because I withdraw into myself. I start living in my head. I'm stealing from my employer by wasting time on the job that I'm being paid for. And I'm not effective at my job when I've been up to three in the morning surfing for porn at home. I'm damaging my soul by indulging in selfish and sinful behavior. And when I bought porn directly, I was contributing to the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual destruction of the people in that industry. Second lie, I'm not wasting my money buying porn. I only go to free sites. The porn industry is by far the largest market in the internet and probably the one of the highest consumers of bandwidth. So your service provider and their vendors have to purchase more equipment, hire service people, and they pass that along to you in your monthly charge. So you are spending money, no matter what you're doing. The best one. I won't get caught this time. Do I need to say more? Okay. I mean, I was caught masturbating in my office by the president of my company. Not once. Twice. Still didn't come in. Took my wife's advice to do that. And, you know, the loss of the shame, the guilt, the loss of trust. Um, he is aware of what I'm doing and what I'm doing this weekend. And he's 100% behind me. So, uh, as I shared in an earlier meeting, it's really hard for me to hold a resentment against him. But I still had to work on it, believe me. <laughs> Physical allergy. Uh, it's not like I'm allergic to strawberries, okay, or hate or, or, or rat or anything else. But if I truly worked on it, I could visualize almost every page or movie that's attracted me from my childhood to now. I won't do it, but that would be a path to losing my sobriety very quickly. But in realizing this and, and seeing this, I can see how my brain reacts differently than non-addicts to pornography. It overreacts to and stores every piece of porn it can see. Okay, the rush of chemicals I feel when I look at it puts me out of control. There's never enough. Okay, never enough to fill that hole in me. The rush of chemicals, it, it's there's uh, they know your brain stores information more effectively at highly emotional states because your chemistry is different. Okay, we can't get this out. It's like a DVR in my head. Okay, it's it says porn better than it does my wife's birthday. I have to sit there and do this to figure it out. You know. <laughs> So there's no question there's a physiological component to my addiction. I can't stop it myself. End of step one. I can't stop it myself. I never could, and I never will. I had to fully accept this fact in order to build an effective spiritual structure within which I can recover from addiction to pornography. I won't get into a lot of details about how I work the steps, but I want to give you an idea. I'm, I'm an engineer. I deal in structure analysis and how things work. For me, the final act of acting out, masturbating, Okay, is like the outer layer of an onion. The next layer in is the actual surfing for the porn. The layer in from that, okay, is my mental state, the actually taking the axe to go find it. Before that is how I was feeling or what I was thinking before that, before I actually took the axe. So that is the, you know, the, the spiritual sense, my emotions are all crazy, okay. The mental obsession, well, I'll just go for five minutes. <laughs> Another good one. So by staying sober, which is absolute requirement, okay, your mind can be clear enough to really see the rest, okay, and as you start working through the four-step inventories and really digging into the roots, okay, you can, I've been able to find out the true, my true nature, okay. I had to be very brutally honest with myself. I mean, every time I did my step work, I had to pray before I started and I had to make phone calls when I was done because I was so upset at what I found. And it, what I thought I was going to find was not what I found. 
but it's more than the 12 step work. It's how I apply that information I got with the sponsors and, the, and my sponsor and the people in the program. I mean, I talk to my sponsor every day. I tell him exactly what I'm doing, how I'm feeling, and I do what he tells me to do. Very simply. He has what I want. Okay? I pray. And I pray a lot. I pray every morning. I actually have a particular structure that I pray within. Um, I admit my powerlessness over lust and pornography. You know, starting with step one. Step three prayer. I surrender my will and my life to my higher power. I pray about the particular things I'm working on right now. I pray for people that I know in the program who are struggling. Okay? And then I do a seven-step prayer. And I ask God to remove my shortcomings. Okay? I write it in a journal. There's something magical about sitting there, conceptualizing in your mind what the, what you're what you're going through, and physically writing it on paper. That's why that's why inventory should always be handwritten. Don't pull it up in a spreadsheet and start typing. It's not going to work. Okay. I call other people in the program who have longer sobriety than I do. Okay. Every day, if not more than once a day. Um, I lead with my meek, with, excuse me. I lead with my weakness. I check in what I'm working on right now with my sponsor, and I get their experience, strength, and hope. And every person I talk to, I get something different. Two quick examples, okay? Uh, some time ago, I was struggling with a resentment, and my sobriety was at risk. I talked to our sponsor about it, and he said, "Hey, why don't you call my sponsor?" I was like, "Ooh." <laughs> a day or two later, I was leaving the intergroup meeting, and I took a long turn on the highway, and I realized I had an hour drive to get home. Great opportunity for a long phone call. So I called him. Conversation went something like this. Hi, this is Larry. I need to get your advice on how to handle a resentment I'm having. Well, I don't give advice, Larry, but I will share my experience, strength, and hope with you. Oh, great beginning. Well, I'm struggling with a resentment against my boss, and I'm concerned about my sobriety. So what's the problem with your boss? Well, I don't like the way he runs our company. He's just not growing it as I think he should be. Well, it's his company. Where's the problem? <laughs> well, if the company's not growing, that's going to be hard, if not impossible, for me to get a raise. So this is really a money problem. Yeah, I never looked at it that way. I actually am worried about saving enough money for retirement. So this is really a fear we're dealing with. Wow, I guess you're right. I never thought about that. I said, Larry, what step are you in right now? Uh, step 10. Oh, so you took step three already. Well, of course. But if you turned your will and your life over the care of your higher power, what are you worried about? Well, it looks like I didn't turn everything over, did it? Said, no, looks that way to me too. So I talked to my sponsor the next day about that fear, that financial fear, about the fear of retirement. Okay? And he said, take a look in your resentment list. Amazing. Resentment against my boss, financial fears. Started talking to people. I started writing in my journal about it. I included it in my prayers. I started talking to other people in the program about it. And specifically in my prayers, I said, God, I turn over, I turn over to you my income, my retirement, and, and the security that goes along with that. I don't have that fear and resentment anymore. So it's a whole process. I need to stay sober. I need to understand what I am. I need to see it active in my life. I need to ask for help. And I need to, and I need to ask God to remove it. It's only when I really see it clearly does it get removed. Second example, I'll be quick. I know we have a, uh, we have a uh, time frame here. This happened this week. My sponsor calls me Monday morning, said, Hey, Larry, I know, uh, you guys can tell by my badge I'm involved in, in, in the convention. 
He says, you know, I'm, uh, I know you're really project-based, and when you work hard on a project and you're working hard and hard, I mean, you, you get into sort of a zone and everything else. But after it's over, I'm vulnerable, okay? He says, I want you to look at why you're vulnerable at that point. So I write, wrote it in my journal, came up with some ideas, discussed it the next morning. He says, so what are you going to do about this? I said, well, I'm going to pray about it. He goes, okay, what else? I said, okay, I'll start calling people with, you know, I know people with five, ten years sobriety and ask their experience, strength, and hope on that. And that's what I did this past week. And I am, I mean, one day I got so many phone calls back, I wore out my battery on my cell phone twice. I had to keep plugging it back into my charger at work. I got prayers, I got feedback, I got ideas, techniques, how to, how to handle a certain situations. But if I wasn't talking to my sponsor every day, he would not know that about me. And he has gotten me prepared for this very large event, okay? And I'm very comfortable, and I prayed, and I'm comfortable for Sunday afternoon that I'm not going to crash, I'm not going to go nuts, and I will at least be awake so I can watch the Giants. <laughs> That's how I work my program. I took it very analytically. I need to understand it. I need to get people's feedback as to how to deal with it. Besides just praying it, I need to see it a good picture, and then I just surrender it. So uh, thanks for listening. Larry for sharing. Uh, we will now open up the floor to sharing. Because our common welfare comes first, here are the guidelines for sharing during this meeting. If you wish to speak, please wait to be recognized by me. Uh, please raise your hand. Uh, no cross-talking, please. And uh, when you do share, we ask that you sit in that chair. We'll move the microphone over and uh, speak directly into the microphone. Our purpose in sharing is to discuss our experience, strength, and hope in recovery. We focus on the SA 12-step approach to recovery. We do not discuss our other 12-step programs, philosophies, therapies, or occupations. We avoid mentioning specific titles or authors of publications other than SA or AA conference-approved literature. We also avoid using abusive language or sexually explicit descriptions. Our emphasis here is recovery, the solution, using the steps in our daily lives. And uh, please remember that this meeting is being taped. The floor is now open for sharing. I'm Dave. I'm a sexaholic. Hi, Dave. I've been sober all year, so not very long. <laughs> um, I'd like to keep it in the, in the last year. Um, I was just uh, thinking about, I guess, the good that comes out of the bad. And, you know, I guess, you know, being afraid can be a good motivator. And it'd be nice to see the light, but sometimes I'm more motivated by feeling the heat. And I just finished reading this uh, ten-volume history of the war between Rome and Carthage, and it took place before Rome was an empire. Rome was just another big city, and they went to war against another big city. And Hannibal came and uh, was there in Italy, causing tremendous destruction for 15 years. It was a pretty horrific thing that they went through, and it made them strong enough to become an empire. I don't think 
they would have become an empire if it wasn't for Hannibal. So I'm looking at my life and the destruction that's coming to my life from the sex addiction. And uh, the bad thing is that when I get a little bit of recovery, I start thinking about becoming an empire. <laughs> I, start, I start thinking, you know, now I'm really getting strong. Now I'm really ready to conquer the world. And so uh, I need to face my fears and my character defects and work through the steps and get honest about rooting some of that stuff out of my life because I think that stuff is just as terrifying as anything else I've been through. I think the prospect of getting better and facing the stuff that I've been avoiding with my avoidance behavior is uh, just as traumatic as having Hannibal at the gates. So that's all. Thanks. Thanks, David. Uh, yeah, thanks. I'm Bob, most definitely a sexaholic. Hi, Bob. Deeply grateful to be here, grateful, grateful to be here sober, grateful for the chance of recovery. Um, I wasn't going to come to this meeting because uh, it's being taped, and I said, well, I can always get the tape and uh, you know go to something now that's you know not being taped. But I'm just, I, I've really been uh, having stripped away from my denial about pornography. I mean, um I've practically not, you know, I've, very few times in my life I've ever been in, in a porn shop or looked at stuff that anyone would recognize as porn. One of the Supreme Court justices said he didn't know what porn was, but he knew it when he saw it. But no, he wouldn't recognize more my porn when he saw it. He would say that's good, wholesome family stuff. But to me, that's the deadliest porn, you know, child porn even. Um, and I'm just saying is that, okay, on the one hand, I've only been in adult bookstores maybe you know maybe five times in my life, and I've almost never purchased uh, so-called adult magazines. But my life is just soft in porn images, uh, which I get from you know the open press and uh, uh, net sites for uh, you know, young young girls and so on. Um, so I pornographize completely into materials. That means that uh, when I have innocent materials, for me, they, they are porn, pornographic. And I also need to really focus on this fact that um, the fact that something is not yet made illegal does not mean it won't be made illegal or that my boss did not recognize it as absolutely sick. I mean, um, <laughs> uh, you know, I... You know, it, it's just rationalization. Okay, it's not in the books yet, but God, I I'm one sick pervert. One of the things, one of the things the White Book it says, uh, some of us may not have uh, uh, corresponded to what society would think of as a sex pervert, and I, I always shake my head when I come to that. Oh yes. Uh, I definitely am. I mean, if if people could see the inside of my brains, uh, you know, okay, I'm I'm, I'm not wearing a, a shabby raincoat right now, but I am a very very sick addict, and uh, pornographizing is like a central ad- component of my addiction, and I just have to renounce that. Uh, right now, I'm feeling a lot of lust images, um, you know, images that I got off of a, a very clean porn, uh, uh, clean porn, clean website. Intended as clean, which I made as, as porn. Uh, I just put that down. Uh, yeah, I'm not being that coherent, but the thing is, like, I have a massive problem with pornographizing. Uh, I'm extremely sick. I, I am a sexaholic. I am not in control of this. I do not have power over these images or where, where they'll take me. 
And this one weakness I've had of um, going to net sites that just manage to stay within the law in terms of uh, child porn, that's a huge attraction to me. Uh, if my boss saw it, it'd immediately be fired. And for all I know, uh, my legislators might have already passed a law making this illegal. Um, so I, I, just, I just can't afford these games that my addict plays that I play with myself. I'm sick. I need help. And uh, that'll pass. Thank you. Hi, Tom. I'm a sexaholic. Hi, Tom. Thanks for sharing, Larry. Um, uh, I know I'm not supposed to compare, but I was, uh, you know, got good marks. Like, okay, I do, I do that, and I understand that. And then you said something about um, images staying with you. Oh, and how, as an addict, I react differently to images than maybe a, no, um, a non-addict. And um, and for, and I thought immediately of images that I get on regular television. And um, and how unwilling I am to do anything about that. It's like, you know, I don't have I don't have any access to channels where I could get, um, you know, things that are obviously inappropriate for me. But um, uh, but when I get a hit off the television of the, you know, whatever, some innocuous show or something, I'm like, I actually feel comfortable. It's weird because I would expect that that would make me like jones and like feel uncomfortable but i find some relief in getting like this little hit and um uh you know there's this expression zero tolerance for lust that i've I've heard and um and every once in a while i think you know i'm really ready to embrace that and then i i'm obviously not and i and i realize i just i have to keep being honest about that and that usually like um well will help me to to let to let something go um so uh, I guess that's all I have. Thanks. I'm a sexaholic and marijuana addict from New Jersey. Um, recovery from porn, I just want to share that, you know, I was exposed to pornography since I was seven years old. And I really wish I wasn't because it really did affect many, many aspects of my life. But that's the past, and the topic is recovery. So I just want to share with you some techniques I use uh, to stay sober from pornography. The first thing is uh, avoid people, places, and things. I don't drive on roads that sell pornography. Yes, it changes schedules. Yes, it makes me not go to places. And it may be confusing explaining that to people that don't understand why, but I don't even go on that road without someone else in my vehicle. I have spyware on my computer at all times. My wife knows exactly what I look at, and that makes me safely go on the computer, um, knowing that if I look at any site that I shouldn't, she will know about it. I have cut myself off from the radio. I uh, pretty much have cut myself off from the TV. Uh, Like many of you have alluded to, the TV is very stimulating, uh, whether it's called pornography or not. Um, the channels on there have images which definitely have led me to act out in the past. So I pretty much cut myself off from all TV except uh, nature shows. And even that, I, I'll only watch one nature show as opposed to six hours in a row. And, <laughs> um, and even the nature shows, the violence of the animals killing each other and things like that actually uh, get my adrenaline going too. So I have to be very, very uh, c- careful 
um, with those things. So, so those are just um, some techniques. And the last technique I used is because I've been exposed to pornography since I was seven, um, the euphoric recall is intense all the time. As a matter of fact, in my whole life, I've never made love. I'm married. I hope my wife doesn't buy this. Um, never made love. So when I'm with her, I have euphoric recall, and it's a major problem for me. So uh, one thing I do is with a huge pair of imaginary scissors, I snip that thought immediately as it comes to my brain. Like, no, from the first second, and then another thought will come. No. And try to stay in the moment. I try to keep my eyes open while I make love. So I see my wife. I don't see the images that I've been exposed to previously. And with time, I've to I've, I'm told that um, I will heal and I will find the ability to make love. And um, now it comes out of my dreams, the pornography, since I'm cutting it off in every other way. Like I've heard other people say about a bubble or a jello, if you push one way, it comes out another way. So in my dreams, that also, uh, with time, hopefully, uh, I will heal myself from the images that have uh, been stored in my brain. Um, and uh, that's the only thing. I, I pray to God to purify my dreams, but it's not my fault what happens in my dreams. So, yes, I feel horrible when I wake up, but then I make a morning meeting at 6.30 a.m. and I let go of that on the phone. Thanks for letting me share. My name is Michael. I'm a sexaholic. Hey, Michael. Uh, grateful to be here. Um, I was actually thinking about going to another meeting that was, you know, about filling the hole, and I thought, oh, that sounds really, you know, good and spiritually high-minded. And <laughs> then I realized, wait, I need to be here. Um, and and I, I related a lot to um, just about the images being burnt in uh, my brain. You know, I can easily. Um, you know, again, if I want to recall, you know, all the images, I, especially from childhood, and uh, you know, and I was exposed not as early as seven, but but you know, not too long after that, um, you know, and that that's what hooked me. You know, I had a, I had a brother who was an alcoholic and a sister who was bulimic, and mine was sex, pornography, mean, specifically pornography. You know, that's what the big hook was, and that's really what the main thing I've struggled with um, throughout my. Uh, throughout my life, and um, I really need to be able to hear the message that the steps are the answer, that the the spiritual program of 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 SA, you know, which is based upon AA, is what works. That the going to the meetings, making the calls, doing the writing. Because um, I, I want to get, you know, ephemeral. I, I mean, I want to get, like, uh, on the <laughs> the mountaintop and just think about things. And that uh, that doesn't work. I, you know, it, it's it's like they said when they were going to go to Iraq, you know, whether they wanted just to bomb them or whether they need to have boots on the ground. Now, I'm not going to get into that, you know, whole <laughs> thing. But, but, I mean, I need to have the boots on the ground for my program. I need to have... You know, pencil the paper uh, and 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 do it that way, and not just kind of be at fifty thousand feet and try to try to do it that way. So um, I'm grateful to be here, and and uh, I am a lustaholic, uh, pornaholic, sexaholic, 
um, but I'm I'm in recovery, and I and I thank God for that. Thanks. Thanks, Michael. I'm Blake. I'm a sex addict. Hi, Blake. I have a confession to make. I raised my hand before I had any clue of what I was going to say. So I just felt like I should You're in the right share. place. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, can't speak too much about any kind of long-term recovery from pornography. I have, you know, technically more than a couple of years of sobriety, but it's in name only. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I went right into the full thing of it. And I haven't done that in a really long time. Um, but one thing that did kind of come out of it was a little bit more um, uh, uh, taking something from the experience. You know, it just became so clear uh, my incapacity to uh, do something a little bit. I mean, we all share that, really. Um, but uh, one thing I wanted to say is that it's like I don't hear it too much here, but I have to, part of recovery is having to admit how much I love it, how much mm-hmm. I can't get enough of it. I want it, and I want it now, I want my candy, and I want to have it, you know. And the problem is, I mean, and I would do it all the time if there were no consequences, you know. If I if they didn't have remorse or guilt, shame or suffering, I'd be there, you know, 24-7. Um, but in there is also some hope because... Knowing that, you know, I can refrain from it. Uh, and I really see the uh, um, pollution that it does to me um, when I've got these images that are, you know, they've got to process through, digest, and eliminate. Um, and it takes a long time. And uh, this time, since it was so much more graphic, it's that much more... Um, poisonous because it was that much more powerful and part of the reason that you know like we say we're addicted to the unreal um, you know even while I was engaging in it a part of me was saying oh there's this unreal thing where here's this beautiful person who seems to be interested in me can't see through the screen (laughs) you know and it's like how that makes me feel powerful or something it's like oh wow that's what's going on you know so I don't know anyway thank you thank you hi I'm Larry I'm a grateful somewhat recovery Sexaholic. Hi, Larry. I've been in the program uh, about uh, uh, 12, 11 months, and I, and I got there by um, my wife introducing me <laughs> to SA, uh, <laughs> having having caught me three times in ten days on the computer uh, viewing porn. And then she started to go to Essendon. I got afraid if she went to Essendon and I wasn't going to SA, she'd know things I didn't. And I would be, and I would lose control of her. Uh, so I started going to SA, uh, and I, 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 the only form of acting out I had had for I'm 70 years old, and the only acting out I had done for the last 10 years, eight years, was broadband <laughs> internet porn. Uh, 
All, I had done some before when I was a young man, <laughs> but but not for a long time. So anyway, I put together uh, almost 10 months of sobriety uh, after starting the program in March of 2007. And then over the holidays, my wife's in Florida and I was not in Florida. I binge... Uh, with the with the with the computer, and it was it was a really, I'm, this sounds perverse, but I guess there's a lot that's perverse. Uh, uh, I'm glad that happened because I did not really believe until I had this slip uh, in December that I really had to have God's help to whip this. I I, I believed, and still to a degree believe that I had put together 10 months of sobriety more or less on my own, that I didn't really have to have a belief in in a spiritual side and I, and I didn't need God's help to do it. Now I know I do. Now I know that I will, I, until I can really acquire and, and rely and trust on that help, there's no no way that I will beat this. And there's one more comment I'd like to make about these images that we store. Last week I was getting very little sleep, or sleeping only five hours a night, and so I'd get up and and when I start to read my I read four newspapers every morning because I have a lust for knowledge too. Uh, and I would start the New York Times and I would nod off. And each time I nodded off, I would recognize when I came, became conscious again. And I'd be nodding off for just a few seconds. That where my head was was one of these images, an endless loop of these images. And I would nod off maybe a half a dozen times or eight or nine times trying to get through the newspaper. And every time I reacquired consciousness, it was one of those images. And I don't know how many are in there, but I was doing this for, you know, ten years. As soon as we got broadband in Maine... Uh, so there's an endless loop of those, and, and that's really something that uh, that I would like to learn more about how you purge. Someone mentioned the uh, the verb purge. I'd like to be able to do that. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Larry. Hi, I'm Charlie. I'm a sexaholic. Hi, Charlie. And I'm another one who sometimes raises his hands when he doesn't know what he's going to say. Uh, first off, thank you for your service. This uh, I related so much of, of what you said. I, there was a time when I thought I was manufacturing time because I'd sit down for five minutes, I'd lose six hours, and I'd manage to get my day done. Uh, but, uh, you know, where those six hours actually came from, I don't know. Uh, and uh, but I'm in, uh, so grateful to have uh, uh, finally found this program uh, under a lot of duress. Uh, I bet I'm not the only one. Uh, my, you know, I I've been caught one more time, and I'm old enough to have uh, known porn before the internet. Uh, and uh, so. Uh, you know, my, my, my first time getting caught was with the magazines, and I throw the stash away, and I'd acquire the stash, and I'd throw the stash away, and I'd acquire the stash. And, I, you know, this, it just rotated. Uh, and uh, uh, it cost money. Uh, and, you know, of course, my wife caught me a couple of times and cost a lot of grief, too, and some very profound outward swearing off. Uh, 
And then the internet came along and, wow, it didn't cost money anymore. But the cycle was so much faster. Uh, I could swear off and be back in it in 30 seconds. Uh, and uh, uh, so finally, my wife said, caught me one last time and said, you have an addiction and I'm not going to live with it any longer. Uh, you know, we're, we're starting an in-house separation immediately. And, uh, you know, you're going to find yourself some help. And so I stumbled around and I finally found an SA meeting, which was nowhere near where I lived. Uh, but uh, that was an interesting story in itself. It seems you need the secret handshake to find a meeting sometimes. But uh, <clears throat> in the interest of doing what I really needed to do, which actually is what my wife needed me to do, but I now realize it's truly what I need to do, I, I found a meeting and I, am, I, I have developed a little bit of spirituality uh, over the years. It's, it's been almost four years now. Uh, I have let go of most of the images. They, they, uh, I, I seem to have two sets that, that still plague me. This was uh, the ones that, that were recent when I got caught and the, and the ones that I started out with. And I think that might have to do with the heightened emotional state you were talking about. Uh, because a lot of times when I, was, when I was actually surfing porn, I was numb. It wasn't a heightened emotion state, it was deadness. Uh, and most of those images seem have blessedly escaped. Uh, so I, I just need to express my gratitude to God and to this program uh, that, I've, uh, that I've managed to come this far. Thanks. Thank you. More in recovering sex addict. And uh, for me to recover from love, from lust, from porn, um, it's both uh, not engaging in it again and also getting out all those images. Both very, very tough. <clears throat> very tough. Um, you know, they talk about halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, and I'm, I experienced a tremendous amount of tiredness, fatigue. And um, I can't, uh, I feel like I can't control all of it. I, I just, my, my stress, I don't know if it's the stress, maybe my diabetes, everything together. And I just feel so spent on all these emotions. And there are times, I um, hope somebody can relate, uh, that I say, you know what? I just can't take it anymore. I'm going to go buy some magazines. At least I'm not going acting out with somebody. That's my crazy, insane, really crazy, insane thinking. Um, still, unfortunately, engage in this practice, not, not daily. Sometimes it's once a week, sometimes it's uh, three times in two weeks, whatever, it's, uh, it's sporadically. But I know those images have a life uh, on their own. Um, of course, I'm so full of disgust, and also I work in a position that I'm on a school campus where I'd get canned immediately if I, so I just throw it out, rip it up sometimes, but I throw it out. It could be a half hour, 45 minutes, and just throw it out. Um, for me, that's one of the most difficult things, getting off that fantasy, you know, the fantasy boat, with all those images, all those scenery. Um, and uh, I feel so gravitated to it. Every time that I go anywhere near there, 
if I'm passing on the road, you know, if I'm going anywhere near a candy store, anywhere near a, uh, uh, peep shows, anywhere near these things, it's like right away, you know, I feel like it's calling out to me. So um, I know it's not good for me. I'm not married, but still it's, it's terrible for me. And it's not living a spiritual way. The guilt and the shame of the double life haunts me. So even if there, even if it was, you know, even if there wasn't anything wrong as far as the actual, but the, the things that happened afterwards, the whole, you know, the whole thing going back to my work and feeling two-faced and just having to deal with looking at myself and, and, and dealing with everybody else and looking people in the eye is extremely tough. Um, I do have, I think, a little more hope coming here because there's so much <clears throat> in, as far as recovery and wisdom and strategies. And I hope to leave here uh, with a sponsor. There's somebody I have in mind. I think he's willing to accept. He's not from, I think he's from Essanon. But it doesn't have to be from Essanon. It's only just an understanding person who will help me through the steps. So I'm grateful to be here today. I, only by the grace of God have I not been in prison. And I am still, still alive because I've been involved with risky activities, illegal activities, even child abuse a while ago. And only by the grace of God, thank God, I've never spent a day in jail. I don't know how I avoided it. It's only because of God. That's the only way. Shmuley, sexolic. Um, I want to share one of the techniques that worked for me when I had really good sobriety um, that worked for me to purge any images that I had inside of me was, uh, and I heard it from one of these conventions, and I tried it, and it's true, is to get very, very, very explicit. And what I did is I found somebody who had <laughs> same-sex attraction, and uh, I asked him explicitly if I could tell him explicit images, because I, I don't have yet, we should say, always same-sex attraction. Could I tell him explicit images that I have in my mind, and will you get triggered? So he said, try me. I did it. And for me, it was like the most triggering thing in the whole wide world. But he was like, oh, this isn't triggering for me at all. So every time I had an image in my head, I got very, very explicit with him. And it didn't trigger him at all. But at least I was able to get it out of my mind. And I didn't have to do it in a meeting, so we didn't have to deal with, you know, the guidelines of being explicit, graphic explicit images and stuff like that, explicit uh, <clears throat> descriptions. But with him, I could get very, very explicit. And, it, and I want to commit here that I'm going to try to do that again. I'm going to try to find, um, to do that because I know it worked for me. So people talk about purging the images. It's one of the things that really, really, really worked for me was to get as much as possible out of out of my uh, out of my head. So thanks. Thanks. Thank we got a lineup of people, so I'll try to do my best. I'm Benjamin Gilbert, coming to Texas Hawk. Hi Benjamin. Hi Benjamin. Thank you Ray, for your share. Um, I get way to what you said about the idea of always looking at porn at work. Before I was in my addiction, I used to, I'm 29, I used to have college internships in college where I would always be in work, <coughs> acting out. Not, maybe not touching myself, but on chart line, and my boss would always caught me, and I just kept doing it. I mean, these were great internships. These were internships my professor got me to do. I had to work really, really hard to get an internship, and I blew up. And the day, I'm not, I don't live in the state where I'm from, I'm from Minnesota originally, I know that was God bringing me here, saying, you, you, you blew up. And it, you know, for me, porn is looking, I don't have it today, I'm three years sober, and I don't have a computer. I mean, I have a computer at home, I don't have internet, I don't have TV, I don't, 
I mean, I can go online at work where I work because we have a work computer, but I work in retail, so I don't have to. And that's just, I mean, for me, it was just the porn. In this moment of days, sitting there going, and like my dorm room going, why am I doing this? Why do I continue always to go to the computer? And now I know why, because I'm a sick individual who really, really needs help, you know, and I have, I have two great sponsees, and I keep telling them that. And for me, it's just always the illness just keeps hitting me every day, saying, why do I keep doing it? Because I'm sick. And that's all I have to share. Thanks. Thanks for sharing, Michael, I'm a sex addict. Hi, Michael. Uh, the value of these groups to me is as I sit and listen to other people sharing, it's like I'm able to put pieces together that I haven't been able to put together. You know, like I've been working on a puzzle and I can't figure out which way this thing is going to turn. All of a sudden, boom, I find the piece and then another piece. And so that's been happening in this group as well. I got addicted to porn probably when I was eight or nine years old by finding... Um, what were then in the 50s uh, porn magazines in the woods, in parks. Um, at that point in time, they didn't show genitals, you know, it was just breasts and butts, and but it was really stimulating. And, uh, and I've been addicted ever since. And uh, we'll always take the opportunity to grab a magazine if it's around um, and look. And when the Internet happened... Um, I soon discovered that I could get free music and download it, but also on those free download sites were porn pictures and movies and all sorts of stuff. And, uh, and started downloading it. And that's actually how I got caught by my wife a little over a year ago as I had downloaded something really terrible um it, it was uh some guys that would ride around the country no 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 no, no. don't don't go to no, you cannot that's fine i understand all right i downloaded something terrible it was very disturbing my wife walked in and i slapped the laptop said what are you watching um but but you know i guess the piece that got put, put together for me here was well what's wrong with it you know, I mean, I'm an old hippie from the 60s, you know, run around naked and, you know, Woodstock and, you know, what's wrong with the human body? Why shouldn't we look? And so on. And, um, you know, on the surface, well, that's, that's one argument. But the truth is, I saw, thought about it here. The piece that got put together for me is it represents um, sex without love, sex without holiness, you know, that... Um, it's one thing if you're running around in the rain naked with your friends and, you know, you have that kind of relationship where it's really innocent and whatever, if that's possible. But certainly in marriage, you know, you can be, you can be with your wife and have a certain sense of holiness and love. But if you're just staring at a picture, you know, there is no holiness there. There is no respect for the human body for the, for that we're made in the image of God. And that that's what feels dirty about it. And it does feel dirty. It's, it's poisonous. And that's the addiction is, is that this energy comes over me when I see porn or download stuff 
that is so, it's evil. I mean, all you can say is it's evil because it's taking us away from the sense that we're made in the image of God we're, because we're, we're, we're disrespecting that. Let's find out. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for sharing. sharing. Yeah, I'm Chesky, uh, grateful for covering Sexaholic. Uh, I've been in the program five years. I came, I'm a, a high, high bottom uh, addict, and uh, I pretty much was addicted to porn and some masturbation. So since I'm in the program, uh, I'm, a, I'm married, so masturbation I was able to do without, but I struggle with, with porn. And even since I joined the program, it's, I didn't, you know, I, I was able to not binge on on real porn. I just was sort of the soft, you know, you know, Google searches, uh, you know, magaz- car magazines that have pictures of women, things like that. So for me, uh, it's the when I look at those images, it's I find that it's not the images at the time that's doing anything because it's one after another after another. It's afterwards in my head that I bring it back. And I create something out of I create something which wasn't even there. I create this fantasy in my head of, the, of this image, which is not real. Uh, and that's I find the problem. It's the toxicity that's in my head after the image. The day later, when I bring it back and I make this, and that's why I find I don't even get triggered by real women because a real person just can never do that. It's only when it's in my head and I create this fantasy. And uh, like the previous year, I think it's a, it's for me it's a misconnection. You know, it's looking for God in all the wrong places. Uh, you know, every human being is created in the image of God. So, but 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 in some perverted way, instead of connecting to to God, my higher power, uh, I, I have a misconnection to thinking this is other human being in the image of God can do that. So I have to just uh, you know what I'm getting from the conferences is the humility. Uh, to ask God for help when, when I'm in that place and to ask my higher power uh, and turn to my higher power for support and love and acceptance and not need to go for the porn. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks Jessica. Jessica. Hey, my name is Adam. I'm a sexolic. Hey, Adam. Um, I just want to share two things that um, a specialist that I met when I was first in recovery from my addiction um, about five years ago told me about, and they work when I choose to use them. Um, I haven't chosen to use them recently, and so I don't have very much sobriety. But um, the first one that he talked about to get these images out of my head uh, was extinction, and that gradually over time the endorphins released in the brain would be reduced from um, deviant uh, arousal, and and I and I I have found that to be somewhat true when it, when I choose to practice it, and uh, and I've heard a lot of testimony from others about about extinction, um, actually changing the arousal template in the brain, um, and the other the other one that that I've found to be useful personally um, is is a uh, is a blocking fantasy. Is carrying out that, um, you know, when an image or something uh, that might cause me to be aroused comes in my head, I, I think about the consequences of that, and 
and to me, the ultimate consequences are death. Um, I know that, you know, that I that I would either kill myself or someone else would kill me if if I carried out these these things, and um, and that works. So I just wanted to share that. Thanks. Hi, I'm Larry, sexaholic. Hi, Larry. Um, I usually like to do this when, when I speak, you know, as I, as I get a feel for what, what, what people are talking about. And uh, I, I know it's not like it, it's, it's not cross-talking, but I, I just feel like I have something I need to share about it. Um, and it's – one of the things I recognize is like uh, towards the end of my addiction, I, I was no longer masturbating. I was just looking after image or movie after movie after movie and image after image after image after image after image. image. And I realized it it was still feeding something. And what I had to find out is what it was feeding. And through the program, through counseling, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know, um, uh, one person had, uh, I've heard a great term for it, it's a God-shaped hole in my soul. Okay, I never had a spiritual connection with a higher power. Never. Um, I, uh, I grew up in a family that church is what we did from 10 to 11 on Sundays. Uh, there's never a Bible in my house, never prayed before food, and, you know, and never anything like that. And that's what's been missing. That was what's missing in my life. And I don't care, you know, the, so, so there's this hole that I'm constantly trying to fill, okay? Um, if you read the, def, uh, the lust definition in the white book, it's when we use something, use something in a natural instinct, in an unnatural way. And what are we trying to do? We're trying to escape these emotions because they make that hole feel bigger. Because we feel lost, we feel powerless. Um, I mean, I can do it with food, I can do it with money, I can do it with pornography, masturbation. Other other people other people do it with, uh, with with prostitutes, or they do it with same sex attraction, or whatever. But we're still trying to fix the same problem: is that there's a, there's a hole in our heart. Um, you know, another great analogy was the puzzle pieces. Okay, and I really like that. The, um, the what I was thinking about uh, with that is that's why I call lots of people because someone may have something that I really need, but they're not going to walk up to me and tell me. I have to connect to them, and that's and that's a way that God can be active in my life because He's got somebody who's got a piece. That's why I love to speak. Okay, I may have something that's going to help somebody in this audience, and I and I, I pray that I do every time I speak, and. Um, that I talk to other people. I, I need to listen to other people because God may speak to me through them. And um, through my spiritual connection, through growing my, my spiritual program, um, the whole feels better. I, I don't feel that urge to do what I need, to, what I what I what I did do, you know. And uh, and that's a freedom I never thought I would get. I mean, I could have spent and stayed in that middle ground. I mean, I'm a I'm a high automatic too. I could have stayed there. I could have manipulated, you know, and sort of got somewhere. But it would have gotten worse and worse. And I would have been, I was miserable to start with. I had already had panic attacks and been in counseling and everything else. I didn't know why. Well, it's because I was wasting all my time looking at pornography and I wasn't doing the things I needed to do. No wonder I got overwhelmed. Hello. Okay. People pleasing. I started that as a kid. You know, it's just, just trying to fill that hole in me because I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who my God was. I'm trying, I'm trying to make you like me. Okay, to me that's people pleasing, and I, I, I still struggle with that. So I, I had to understand the roots and the drive, so I could attack it there. 
You know, if, if I'm just working on the periphery and just dealing with the porn and the masturbation, okay, it's like a tree's growing, you're just constantly cutting the leaves off. But it's going to keep growing. And you're constantly going to be cutting, you know, and, and that could be very wearying. So uh, through working the steps and working with my sponsor and other people, I was able to start attacking the roots. I got a lot to do. Believe me, I got a lot to do. And I need to stay humble. You know, it's, uh, but um, that's all I have to share. Thank you very much. I'd like to thank Larry and everyone else for sharing. Uh, let me summarize with uh, the one idea I heard uh, that works. And that is, uh, if I work the 12 steps of Sexaholics Anonymous, I will not have to look at pornography again. Remember, this is an anonymous program. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. The stories you hear are told in confidence and should not be repeated outside except on the CD. Please keep any names, addresses, or phone numbers you learn about in SA to yourself, and what we say here, let it stay here. After a moment of silence, let's close with the third step prayer. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.